Hello, I'm Arafat, I'm in the UK. And I'm Mohammed, and I'm in the US. And you're listening to Slow Pit Stop. Hello and welcome to Slow Pit Stop, the international Formula One podcast by fans for fans all around the world. My name's Arafat and as always, I'm joined by my co-host Mohammed. Say hi, Mohammed. Hi, Mohammed. We've got a great show for you today. We're going to get into some Formula One news and then quickly touch on qualifying and the race at the Bahrain Grand Prix um, before discussing some of our fantasy Formula One league issues with you. So, how have you been, Mohammed? Um, that's a very complicated question, Arafat. Today, <laughs> this was supposed to be our like annual group therapy session, but I think I've kind of gotten over everything. So, I think I'm just dead inside, which is crazy. It usually takes at least half a season before I'm dead inside, but it took one race this time. Incredible. I'm very zen about it. Yeah, I know what you mean. I think last year, by the, it was about three races before the end when I got to acceptance. Whereas this year, I've I've hit acceptance already, and I'm at peace with with the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Shall we get into the news? Yeah. So, Mohammed, mm-hmm. Joe Sayward reported the Chinese Grand Prix may be under risk. He said there's quite a few reasons for this. One, supply chain issues through the pandemic moved people to use manufacturing closer to home, so the Chinese market isn't what it was. It's tough for car manufacturers to compete with Chinese brands anyway, so why advertise there? Uh, and China has been more aligned with Russia than even F1 is probably comfortable with. But nonetheless, there will be a Chinese Grand Prix for 2024 and 2025. Hmm. But after so that, we could be returning to Korea. So um, I want to see if that happens because I don't think we're going back to China. I, I mean, the idea of it is cool. The track was okay, but like we have canceled the last couple races there because of their COVID policies. And at this point, I just feel like everyone has moved on. We have, we have so many venues competing for a spot. We have spot that's maybe about to lose a spot. So I really wouldn't be surprised if we just never go back to Korea. Do you think I mean, Korea, Korea would be, yeah, China. Do you think Korea would be more successful this time? Obviously we raced there between 2010 and 2013 before it was dropped because of poor attendance and just if, not being profitable. If they can like revamp the track for modern the modern formula, I think it would be really cool because I mean the the problem with it is that it's a it's a street track, but they haven't raced there in 10 years, so they have a lot of stuff they could work with to like I think the rumor was they wanted to go to Seoul and make a new street track there. Yeah, but then do we want more street tracks with these cars like, you know, no, the answer really. is no, we but, don't. We well, don't want more street tracks. A, a street track like Azerbaijan, where it's like six lanes wide, is fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. A street track like Monaco is no, not wanted. But even Miami was horrible. Vegas is yet to be seen, but I feel mm. like it's going to be horrible. Can you tell I'm pessimistic? I promise when we talk about Mercedes, I'll be a little bit more optimistic. <laughs> I thought you'd be really excited. I thought you loved Korean culture. and I do you know, love Ten years Korean on, culture. I feel Korean culture has become mainstream elsewhere is, yeah, definitely. with TVs, music, movies, all of that. I'm so much more aware of Korea now than I was in 2010. Yeah, but you know, I was so excited for a Formula One race to come to the East Coast of the United States because that's mm. where I am. And then when Miami came and they hyped it up as this huge big party, I was so disappointed in the actual quality of the racing. So I would mm. rather we have a good quality track rather yeah. than it be in, you know, a country that I would like it to be in. Yeah. Yeah. Understood. But if you're a listener from Korea, 
uh, get in touch. What would a home Grand Prix mean to you? Yeah. Um, did you get to attend last time we were there? How was it? What did you think of it? Please let us know on Twitter at Slow Pit Stop or Instagram, which is the same. Mohammed, <laughs> yeah. it's been reported that Cadillac really want to enter F1, mm. even if that means ditching their Andretti project and making friends oh. with McLaren or Williams. Apparently, they're looking to start with some sort of deal where they borrow some Renault engines, which was the deal Andretti had in the first place. And then Cadillac would add all the ancillary parts themselves, kind of like what Ford are doing with this Honda Red Bull powertrain. So, yeah, things stopped. Things that are stopping Andretti joining at the minute is this swell in the joining fee from 200 million to 600 million. And I think under EU competition law, this might become a bit sticky because. EU competition law says yes, the 200 million makes sense as a dilution fund, but 600 million is just unnecessary profiteering. Uh, and I think F1's solution is to move to a less regulated, more profitable, and maybe more sustainable franchise model like US sport. So, Mohammed, as our resident American, what is uh, the franchise model? For- <laughs> Well, first of all, I think it's hilarious that Cadillac wants to ditch Andretti when they're pretty much the only reason that they're in the F1 conversation to begin with. There was not like they were trying to make their own team. And Andretti was also trying to make it's like Andretti was like, okay, we need like a name to back us up. Do you want to join us? And then they're like, sure. But I think what happened was Ford <laughs> agreed to go in with Red Bull and became like a more solid partnership. And so Cadillac was like, okay, well, now we need to get back into Formula One. Um, what was the question? What is a franchise model? Yeah. I, I don't know. I didn't realize this is like not the norm because I only care about American sports for the most part. But like the franchise model, for those of you who don't know, is that you have like 20 teams that are part of a league, a major league, uh, and those 20 teams play in the major league uh, all the time. And you can't lose your spot in the major league no matter how bad you are. Uh, and if there's a separate minor league underneath it, and the minor league has another, you know, 20 to 30 teams, and they play in the minor league, and no team from the minor league can ever make it up into the major league, no matter how good they are. So it's two different leagues. You can have one team that dominates the major league, like the Patriots dominated the NFL. You can have a team that dominates the minor league um, and just does extremely well in the minor league, but they will never cross paths so i guess in the uk you guys don't do that you guys have teams that can make it up to the the big leagues and then cu- fall down to the yeah so if you look at football or soccer um yes, as thank the you for ex- that. example um you've got you know premier league and then what's called the championship and then first division second division and you've got what's called the relegation zone so the top one or two teams go up into the next league the bottom one or two three teams they go down into the next league so there's always a relegation and a promotion so weirdly, Formula One follows that payment model or something. I, I don't fully understand it. All of this sounds like shenanigans. But <laughs> I, there was a point in Formula One where we had 13 teams and only the up to team number 10 got paid. So 11, 12, 13, they didn't get money or something. or very, At least team 13 didn't get any money, which is why the teams went bankrupt, like HRT, Marussia, yeah. Virgin Racing, all of these sort of things. Now... And the whole idea of the franchise model is you're here, everyone gets paid, you're not being punished for being last. Because obviously in Formula 1, a team isn't suddenly going to become a Formula 2 team and a Formula 2 team isn't suddenly going to become yeah. a Formula 1. So it's as if they've got the actual structure of a franchise model anyway, but they were paying them as if they were being relegated. 
Yeah. So it improves their financial security, but I think there's lots of things about competition. Well, so does everyone blah, get blah, the blah, blah. same amount of money at the end of the year, or is there like a a flat fee that every single team will get? Because right now it is a, on a on a structure where top team wins the most, and then it goes all the way down. So I've got this picture up from a historic thing, and I think this is from before uh, the new structure with Liberty Media and things. But it used to be. Um, there was the F1 prize fund and you'd have what was column one and column two. Mm-hmm. And qual- column one was equal shares to everyone. It was like 42 million. And yeah. column two was based on your performance. So if you finished first, you'd get like 80 million. If you finished second, 68 yeah. million, third, 50, whatever. And then there'd be historic payments. So Ferrari just got 90 million for being Ferrari. Yeah. Um, and then Williams had like a heritage thing as well. But your position wasn't just your position last year. It was like your average position over the last three years. Um, oh, interesting. Think, yeah, but there's a whole brand new revenue model. I'm sure people have made. I mean, I know the dilution thing is is really like a problem. And I, I, this is not like the bulk of our episode. So it's funny that we're talking about it for so long. But yeah. I, essentially like to join into the major league hockey in america which is the nhl the national hockey league it is 600 million dollars but then you become an established member of that league um so you can make money you know for decades to come so yeah you pay this 600 million dollar fee but maybe in seven or eight years you've made that money Mm. back so that's that's why the f1 teams want to increase their join-in fee from 200 million to 600 million because they feel that the 200 million is like only covers one year it It only covers one year yeah exactly so I guess I sort of understand it from their point of view, but yeah, that's why that's why it's happening. Is there any other news? One sec. Is there any other news? Oh yes, Mohammed. Yeah. The F one calendar might make more sense in twenty twenty four. Remember, on an episode from yesteryear, I argued that we should be starting in Australia and yeah. gradually moving across the world and finishing in. It'll never happen, America. <laughs> so it's it's not happening. But there's lots of talk in twenty twenty four about. Uh, at least making it more more grouped together. So yeah. like Asian races together. So start in Saudi after a Bahrain test and move out to Australia and then Asia and then um, stop off in Bahrain and then do a European lot. Mm-hmm. Try and get Canada to move because Canada appears in the European season because I think there's a bank holiday or a, a, mm. some holiday in Canada where it works for them. It's because they want to be Europeans. <laughs> yeah. Come at me, Canadians. I said what I said. Um, um, and then they move to America. So they're trying to stop this crisscrossing. And you might say, isn't that horrible for people because they'll be away from home? It's not It's not for the people. It's for the freight, all the stuff that has oh, to move oh, from track to track to track. Yeah. So the people will just get flights back to wherever mm-hmm. their home is, Italy, UK, whatever. But the freight will not have to be moving around the world so much, mm-hmm. which supposedly is more green. Well, is it a cost saving thing though? I bet you it's a cost saving thing. Yeah, cost saving, but also by saving costs, it it will be more environmentally friendly because you're traveling yeah. less distances. No, that's obvious. That's true, of course. And but I just don't think that's why they're doing it. Like, I I feel like it's it's to save money. I don't know if you did you see the thing about the Haas pit wall, how it's like yeah. half the size. Yeah. Yes, and that was very like good. Yeah. So I feel like it's something like that where the teams are realizing like they can save money on some extraneous costs here and there. So yeah, why not just just like well, that's good because more. if you ask the teams to be more green, they wouldn't they do won't. it. Yeah, I agree. But if fully you agree. force them into a situation where they are saving money and accidentally becoming more green, that's a win-win. Yeah, 
Yeah. I was going to ask you, what is a sustainable fuel? But we'll talk about that later. That's a whole other conversation. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, fine. I think that's all the news that I have. Ooh. Shall we get on to reviewing the Bahrain Grand Prix? Uh, well, I guess that's the point of this podcast, but I really don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> so it all started with qualifying. And, you know, a lot of people often uh, say, you know, oh, drive to survive generation or oh you you weren't watching in the 80s you don't know much about formula one so we we went to our elders for wisdom so i got my abba to record this or in english my dad uh, just after qualifying and this is what he had to say hi there this is my view on qualifying results in bahrain it's very, very disappointing being a strong supporter of Mercedes, especially Luis. But I'm very happy to see Alonso's progress and Aston Martin's progress. It seems to me that Red Bull are miles ahead of the rest of the team. But the biggest disappointment is Mercedes and where they qualified is the worst start of the year. It seems to me that uh, Mercedes have done nothing during the winter break. I think, Toto, please, please, please abandon this car. There's no way you can improve this. And please abandon this car and start fresh, okay? Before the next uh, race at Saudi Arabia, I would like to see a completely brand new car. Thank you. <laughs> so interestingly my dad called it before qualifying i um, know oh <laughs> uh, uh, before the race even actually yeah but um i'm not sure toto wolf would be able to live up to my dad's timeline of building an entirely new car new b-spec car before saudi which is in a week from now <laughs> yeah so good luck to toto to try and meet that <laughs> deadline but yeah big problems for mercedes eh but it's funny that your dad gave up after qualifying. Like the rest of us were like, it's just cute qualifying. Mercedes yeah. has a car built for the race. We'll yeah. wait for the race. Your dad was like, this car is a failure. P5? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, my, my only question about qualifying actually was, why was Gasly 20th? Did he, I missed why that happened. Was he there on pace or did he Alpine not? just had like a really bad qualifying, but he had a lap time that was deleted and then he couldn't get out of uh q1 in time right. something like that yeah. yeah okay but then he ended up he had a really good i mean we'll, i guess we'll talk about the race well i don't know if we'll talk about him in the race but he had a really good race 20 to, to, to ninth place to p9 that was pretty good fine so we get into the race yeah so the race was obviously won by verstappen who was going a million miles an hour compared to everyone else <laughs> perez was second and surprisingly and not surprisingly i guess fernando alonso was uh third yeah. So one thing that we really want to do this year is we want to engage much more with all of you listening, our fans, our supporters. We have listeners all over the world. Me and Muhammad are not even in the same part of the world. And we want to see if we can get a listener on from every country in the world. So we're going to be playing some voice notes that you've all sent to us. We promise we listen to them all, but if we've not managed to play yours this week, we will prioritize you for another week. So thank you so much to everyone for sending these in. But the first note that we have is from someone who said they're called Sergio Perez. <laughs> well, he, did, he finished P2 on the podium, so let's see what he had to say. 
Yes, well, I'm speechless, guys. Uh, we did it the Mexican way and we got a 1-2 in our first race. So I'm obviously very happy about this, very happy for Max, and uh, next time I'll get him. I feel exactly how you must have felt in the previous seasons. Uh, you know, you're very happy, you want your team to maybe just take off and win, but at the same time, it's not for a very fun on the television, so I think that uh, hoping for more competition in the future, hoping for many more cool-down rooms with the Spanish speakers, so uh, Fernando and I can just exclude Max the entire time, and it becomes incredibly awkward and very funny to watch, so loving this and uh, hoping for a closer competition, even if I want Red Bull to win. Uh, thanks very much, guys. Vamanos. Arfad, I don't think that was the real Sergio Perez. I don't think it was either. I think that might have been an <laughs> imposter from Canada. Hmm. Yeah, that's how did that get in there? If you guys want to send in your own um voice notes, we highly recommend it. We will not make fun of you, I promise. But it's speakpipe.com slash slow pit stop. Speakpipe is S P E A K P I P E dot com slash slow pit stop. Um but Arfa, I wanna ask you before we get into like the podium and all of that and I think you're going to convince me to be a Red Bull fan. So before we get into that, um, what were you know people's expectations coming into this race weekend? I feel like you know before the race weekend, everyone was like, "Okay, just no porpoising, just be normal. You know, you don't have to be winning races." And then we finished. We, we Lewis qualified P five, George qualified P seven. Maybe he could have been P six, um, and then like. We got to the race, or sorry, no, Lewis qualified lower. George qualified like P6, Lewis qualified like P8 or P7 or something crazy. But we got to the race, and then they pretty much finished as the third fastest team, or as the fourth fastest team with Aston Martin in the mix. Was the anger over the fact that Aston Martin had leapfrogged us? That was something we knew from testing that Aston Martin was now fast. We knew there were four teams in the mix. Um, we knew that Ferrari was holding back power. We knew that Red Bull wasn't showing everything. Aston Martin probably was showing everything. I, I guess, like, I, I understand some of the frustration from Team LH, but I'm very confused as to, like, where it came from. You know what I mean? I think it's the fact that Max finished so far down the road. Yeah. Um, and he wasn't even pushing. Yeah. Whereas, you know, fair enough, Aston Martin are quicker, but where is it? Yeah, so he finished 11.987 seconds ahead of his teammate, yeah, 38 seconds ahead of Fernando Alonso and then 50.977 seconds ahead of Lewis. Yeah, That's yeah. the first, you know, if, yeah. if Lewis had finished in fourth place and was, I don't know, 15, 20 seconds behind, we can be like, yeah. do you know what? Red Bull just did a better job this weekend, mm -hmm. maybe next week or in a couple of races, blah, blah, blah. Whereas 50 seconds behind. Yeah. And I don't think Red Bull were even pushing themselves. Yeah. That's huge. That's yeah. huge. Um, yeah. And, you know, Mercedes themselves said, you know, the the deficit has doubled, maybe even tripled. I think that yeah. was a problem. We it, Red Bull were always going to come into this season Dominate. as the favourites. Mm -hmm. The goal was to close the gap. Yeah. The goal was to, you know, win races, except we're probably not going to win the championship but close the gap and instead the gap has widened. So I think that's why people found it very, very frustrating. But did you find the race enjoyable or boring? Uh, I think the the opening stint was really enjoyable. I was, I definitely liked that. I liked that, you know, there's good overtaking by Lewis and then it got into the strategy 
portion of the race. And I think it must have been enjoyable for if you were a Fernando Alonso fan. He did extremely well. Uh, but I think for Lewis fans, for Mercedes fans, it probably was boring after the opening stint of the race. That's how I'd qualify it. What did our fans think of it? Hi, I'm Pramusha, and I'm from India. And this race was boring as hell. It sucked. Hello, Slope Stop. This is Mansi from India, and Bahrain was boring. By Bahrain standards, it was very boring. By Mercedes standards, it was blue balls. So, yeah, it was just boring. Clearly, they thought it was boring in India. Um, the BBC described it as soporific. Tiffany Dell described <laughs> it as a snooze fest. The race also said it was a complete bore as well. Um, weirdly, I didn't think it was boring. Why? I think oh. I was just excited that Formula One was back. I think, oh, you know, that's true. Yeah. Continue yeah. In sure. hindsight, it's not a race I'd want to watch again. And I can be like, yeah, actually, that was a boring race. But I think at the time, I was just excited to be watching Formula One again. Yeah. I, I that you know, that's a huge part of it. Because after the race, I was like, that's it. I'm never watching this sport again. Um, and then I was like on the road and I was like, oh, imagine I was on a Formula One track. Imagine my car. So yeah. I was like, I'm a form. And then I was like, oh, you know what? No, I, li- I like the sport. All right, guys, I'm back. So, yeah. um, but I, I do think that there was a little bit of novelty because it was the first race. But again, you know, I was like thinking about it. I was watching the highlights and I was like, if you were not a Mercedes fan, there was stuff going on. There were some good midfield battles. Fernando Alonso coming through the pack. You know, I, I think that if there was something to gain from it. I do think it was not as exciting as last year or 2021, which were very exciting Bahrain Grand Prix. Um, so, yeah, and, and really the reason why is because of how dominant Red Bull were, because there was just never a challenge for the lead ever. And yeah. yeah. How do you feel about the dominant Red Bull? Yeah, you know, last year I kept asking you, is this the era of Red Bull domination? And I think we're obviously like, it's been answered for me. This is the era of Red Bull domination, and um, basically Mercedes has a couple... Well, we'll talk about Mercedes, I think, a little bit later. Um, But yeah, I I just feel like it's a little frustrating for me for two reasons. One, people complained about Mercedes all the time from 2014 to 2020, and now that Red Bull is dominating, those same people who complained don't care. Um, Mm. I guess you could argue the inverse as well, that now the Mercedes people are complaining, and we didn't Mm. complain when it was our team winning. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still think that it's, you know, the, it's not good. It's not good racing. It's not fun mm. to watch. You know, Max is probably going to win every single race. Like, I, I just don't see anybody challenging him unless, like, Bahrain was so circuit specific that that's what made them, like, 12 seconds faster than everybody else. But, like, yeah. otherwise, I just don't see anybody challenging him. So, it, it is sad from a season point of view. But, um yeah. I'll talk about Mercedes later. Because I a tweet that I found salvage. quite funny was from Spanners from the Mixed Apex podcast yeah. where he said, when that Red Bull punishment kicks in later in the year, stand by because, boy, are we going to see some small decrease in the acceleration of their performance advantage. You yeah. mark my words. They will edge away slightly less quickly maybe, which you I know, found even, very funny. <laughs> I, think, I, think it's, I think it's very apt because like everyone is obviously going to think about the penalty and think, was the punishment enough? Are they being punished? Mm. And like, even if they were given no wind tunnel time at this point, if they were not allowed to develop this car anymore, they would Mm. probably still win the championship. Maybe Ferrari and Mercedes would come up with cars that could compete on their level. But Mm. I I don't think that they would have a car that was like now the third fastest or something like, 
Yeah. I, I think you're right. It's frustrating in that, you know, as Mercedes fans, we enjoyed very good cars for very many years. Yeah. And the whole point of the new regulations was to bring the pack closer together. Yeah. And there's two things. One, obviously we have a bizarre relationship with Red Bull. We <laughs> don't like Christian Horner. Verstappen, I struggle with. Um, he's kind of the pantomime villain of Formula One. Um, yeah. But you kind of have to remember he's he's a real human being. He has good things and bad things, blah, blah, blah. But he's like the the, the character is the villain, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but you look at the qualifying times in Formula One, um, you know, Max Verstappen Q1 was 131.295 and the slowest car, 132.181. That's less yeah. than a second. When yeah. you look at Formula One a few year. years ago, mm-hmm. Not just, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, yeah. the gap between the first and third car would be like six seconds. Yeah. So, so the regulations are bringing everyone close together. And I think we're getting much better racing in the midfield. It's frustrating. You know, I keep saying my favorite year was 2012 when so many different cars and so many different drivers were winning races. That's what I want to see. Lots yeah. and lots of different winners. And I th- think the reason i'm probably a bit more at peace was last year remember i was so stressed yeah about lewis losing his record of yeah having a race a, a win every season yeah but now that he's lost it he can't lose it again yeah and i was yeah. like i was reflecting a lot on that and i was thinking why am i so excited for fernando at the front and all of this and when I started watching Formula One, I was a teenager and Lewis was the new guy. He was taking on the established champion, which was Fernando Alonso. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of where I was in life. Like, you know, I was, I was the young new person. Taking coming. on the established champion. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas now I'm like, I'm older than most of the retired Formula One drivers, you know? <laughs> so like, <laughs> yeah. I'm relating a lot more to Fernando and Lewis being like, no, can they still take it up against the younger? So I think, even if Verstappen went on to win 150 races and 10 world yeah. championships and all of this, I, I could still say my era of Formula One, the 2010s, if you like, Lewis was the best driver in the world. Yeah. And bizarrely, him and Fernando are so good that they've stayed in with the next generation. Hmm. They've accidentally yeah. forgot to leave. Yeah. And of this current generation, Verstappen, Lando, Leclerc, I think, yeah, Verstappen is the best of them all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think it's it's interesting to see. It's going to be that Brad Pitt movie, isn't it? He's doing a Formula One film where he's like an old man that won't leave Formula One. Yeah, we're watching Cars Three. That's yeah. what's happening. Cars yeah. Three, um, and we're watching that stage of Lewis's career. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think some some other people were a bit more positive about Mercedes' performance. We've got another note, I think, from Nia. Yeah. Good afternoon, Arafat and Mohammed. This is Nia from Canada. How are you? First, I'm a huge fan and I love your podcast. So continued success to both of you. Now, regarding the Bahrain Grand Prix, I thought that this race was indicative of a season opener. So while P5 and P7 may not have been our ideal outcome, we still earned some valuable points and now we can learn and improve for the next race. So I'm remaining hopeful and optimistic and just taking one step at a time along the this Mercedes marathon and to quote our dear sweet Sir Lewis still we rise guys still we rise enjoy the rest of your day bye she has a great radio voice like she just has a perfect like on the air voice I wonder if she does radio on the side 
<laughs> yeah, she, she honestly she should. Um, she I also think that it's very nice how hopeful she is. Do you know what was her first race in Formula One? I think she told us on Twitter some time ago. It was Brazil twenty twenty one. I know. So she hasn't she hasn't seen the Lewis domination oh, wow. that everybody else is talking about, and yet she is still so hopeful. Um, I wanted to comment yeah. on what you're saying before about uh, you know you're kind of more at peace with it because he can't lose the record twice. I, I was going to say that I agree with you because like last year to me will be the worst it can get because there were like Lewis not getting out of like Q1 in Saudi yeah. getting stuck in like P15 in Imola and not being able to do anything and just having the worst luck with safety cars and getting so close to a win, but then not being able to fight for the win. Like to me, that was the worst to me. That was like, I cannot go through that again. Um, and I just don't think we can be that bad. Like, I just don't think we can. I think we have to be better. I think we, there's only up from there, basically. So I, I do think this year will be a little bit better than that. Um, but speaking mm-hmm. about Mercedes, let's like let's discuss that because they essentially have big decisions to make. Uh, well, f- first of all, before I get into that, Arfat, how do you feel about everybody mm-hmm. on Twitter calling for Mike Elliott to be fired? I don't know. Yeah. We, like, we don't know the actual details of what he's done or not done, isn't it? And firing people and creating yeah. a culture of fear is very Ferrari. Mm-hmm. And Ferrari keep making good cars, but not great cars. And Mercedes' entire philosophy is yeah. we don't yeah, blame I agree the person, with you. I don't we think learn that, understand I think it was very premature so. for people to ask for Mike Elliott to be fired or to be relegated to the livery department, as some people said, <laughs> which is just making black livery now. Um, I think that uh, it was probably correct to drag James Allison off of the boat, which apparently has happened, um, and bring him back in. And like, listen, we are in the fight for our lives. You can't retire just now. You need to help us. So I, I think that was probably the right move. I also, I want to say that I like our team as a team. I think we are better than Ferrari because when there were issues, like Toto didn't, he was with your dad. He didn't even wait till the race at the end of qualifying. He said that our car is bad. The concept failed. You know, we gave it a good shot. Everyone, we gave it one qualifying session and now we're going to reverse tracks. And then after the race, he just doubled down on that. And he was like, there's no positives. There were zero positives from the race. I'm not taking anything good out of that. We have a bad car and we need to work on it. And I would rather have a team principal who says that than you know, like, uh, Mattia Bonato, who denied that there were any problems until he was fired. He was like, nope, strategy's fine, car's fine, power unit's fine, drivers are fine, everything is fine, and then he was fired. So I, I really like Toto's attitude towards the whole thing. I, I, I don't think that people were saying that Toto's attitude has been very um, like circumspect you know, the last couple of years, and people have been pretty angry at him for a couple of years, but I don't think that's accurate. I don't think that's fair. And, uh, yeah, I think that's definitely the correct attitude to take towards the whole thing. I think Mercedes will come back from this stronger. I think I've been here before in the sense of, you know, I saw Lewis win a world championship. Then things started to get a bit difficult. And there was this period of Red Bull domination. And then Lewis came back. So there's a bit of me that's like, oh, we've done this already. The only question is, by the time Mercedes come back, how old will Lewis be? You know, I think that like so basically for like if if you're not obsessively linked into Twitter the way I am, you probably maybe are not <clears throat> sure of what's going to be happening forward with Mercedes, but they have a decision to make. Do they? So apparently all there was always a version of 
an evolved version of their current car that was going to come at Imola with sculpted side pods. That was the big thing. And then they talked about... Yeah, I was going to give them three tents. Yeah, three tents. And they thought maybe they'll bring it earlier in Baku, but now I guess it's gone back to Imola. And this sculpted side pod was designed by James Allison. So the question really is, are they going to commit to developing the W14 with the sculpted side pods? Or will they abandon it and start working on their 2024 car from now on? Or... Will they somehow do an Aston Martin and bring a, a B-Spec later in the year? Maybe at Silverstone, maybe, you know, somewhere else, like, uh, later in the year. But then, again, sacrifice this year. Arfa, what do you think they should do? And what do you think will happen? So, these three options are all kind of linked together. You you don't just do one or the other, but it's a sort of, which where do you put your priority? Yeah. Do you focus on lots and lots of little gains putting all your resources, money, getting everyone to get updates out as quick as possible, quick as possible. Or do you go, actually, everyone, we're going to take a step back, want us to really think about this, experiment a little bit, and really think for 2024, if you could start all over again, where would the big changes be? So I think they need to sort of pause, rather than saying, right, we're going to develop as quick as possible to catch up this year, pause and go, right, we're going to rethink this whole thing, talk to James Allison, talk to all these other people. And as they're coming up with new ideas, bring them to the car, test them, make this car faster and sort of use that to build up momentum towards next year. So that's what you would prefer that they do. I almost prefer that they write off this year entirely and start working on their 2024 car from now. Cause when you think about it, like, how, what's going- no, the, but I think they do. But how do you do that without developing this car? Because next year's car is just an evolution of this one as well, isn't it? It's not a completely no, but I different. Thought, I thought that you said, okay, you have your your priorities, and you can put some effort into next year, and you can put some effort into this year. And at a certain point in the year, the teams switch between the priority of this year and they switch to to next year, right? That's what you told yeah, me. Yeah, I think where that was the biggest one was coming into twenty twenty two. Oh, because it was a completely new formula. Yeah. Whereas now, because things are evolving. Yeah. Like if you're if your problem is you're not getting correlation between the parts that you're building and your wind tunnel, you're going, hey, the wind tunnel said it would make three tenths on this, but when we took it to the track, it was only one tenth. Yeah. You need to spend time to make that correlate. If you're yeah. going, hey, we have this idea, it might work, it might not. It's a bit radical. Okay, try it. It didn't work. Next weekend we try a different one. Okay, this one is work. This is the direction we're going to go down for the yeah. W14. So I think it's sometimes you know if you're in a competition Mm -hmm. your development is going to be more conservative because you have so much more to lose okay i think mercedes need to treat this year not like they're in a competition but be radical be experimental try all the different things have some bad weekends have some good weekends with the ultimate aim of by the end of this year we've worked things out and we're building momentum towards. But I right, think they know, know like they can correlate their their wind tunnel now with the track. It's that's not the issue. Is not like if they cannot... could do that properly, they would have sussed out the porpoising before they arrived. No, last year, last year, they yeah, couldn't. but this but year they, they can. Yeah, but nothing. It's it's that thing that Bryson has on his um, Twitter. What was it? All models are incorrect. Some are useful, or something like that. 
I, I mean, I my for me, I think that the, just the direction they went in is wrong. I think that's what Toto was saying is yeah. that the car we're building is wrong. If we continue going down this direction, we're not we're only chasing maybe three tenths here and there, but we're not chasing a second of performance. Yeah. So I I I thought the issue was they need to change their car entirely. Yeah, and if you go yeah. radical now, it, it means taking step backs. It means, yeah. uh, and if you were in the tough fight, championship fight you wouldn't be brave enough to do something that might involve taking a step back. Whereas I think, yes, I think we're both saying the same thing of they need to focus on the W14, but I think they do that by making radical changes on the W13. So what does that look like though? Is that like Lewis taking experiments and getting stuck in Q1 or is that like, is it different? Is it just like coming with these upgrades that seem like radical and you don't understand them? I, I think it's lots of. I think the the most experimentation is going to happen in the drawing board okay. on the computer screen there, and they're going to have to pick certain things to go. Hey, why don't we build this for real and see what it looks like on the track? Okay. We think it looks good in the wind tunnel, but let's check it out because we we don't have wind tunnel time to test every single idea. Yeah. You know, back in the day, you you. It's, I was listening to some podcast where someone was talking about working at Williams in like the eighties. And you'd build something and then you'd move it a millimeter and then yeah. put it in the wind tunnel again, move a millimeter, put it in the wind tunnel again. And then you'd like, you'd, they say, you know, you'd do like a week of work and all your ideas and stuff would just get thrown in the bin because someone yeah. else had moved it like four millimeters and that was better. Yeah. You Because they can't do that, it's taking risks and trying to be smart about what do we put in the wind tunnel? What do we put in the car? Yeah. And not what do we need to bring now to be competitive now? Do you think that they have the budget to do that or will cost cap affect them? Because people are no, saying, oh yeah. It will yeah. affect them. Is that They've got to be smart. If they had the budget, yeah. they would test every single combination yeah. that you could. They would build every <laughs> single combination, yeah. um, every single iteration. They would build, put in the wind tunnel, put in the track. If they had the budget, yeah. they would do all of that. Because they don't, they have to be smart and go, well, okay, on paper, this seems to work. Physics says this would do this. Mm-hmm. will it do it in the wind tunnel is it worth putting this piece through the wind tunnel should we keep working a bit more on the computer first yeah. before using up our wind tunnel time yeah. that kind of thing so, so clearly think... all of our preseason predictions are going to be wrong because we saw we did them all before qualifying like i don't think lewis yeah. is getting three wins this year how do you think the year will play out for mercedes do you see them being the fourth fastest team the entire year i I think it'll be a very close battle between Mercedes and Ferrari for second place. I think Mercedes Still. will operationally be better. I think Ferrari will car-wise about, be better. What about Aston? How will Aston play? I think... That's the main thing. No, like I everybody... think a, a good result for Aston would be fourth place. Yeah. Realistically, you know, coming from seventh to fourth is huge. Mm-hmm. fighting for podiums all of a sudden. I think a good result for Aston will be winning a race this year, finishing fourth. A great result is if somehow they take third place. You don't think they're going to take third place for Mercedes? I don't, because I think between Lewis and George, you're going to get consistent point scoring. Mm-hmm. Like you look at this weekend, they got fifth and seventh. Mm-hmm. Now Ferrari had one good result and one explosion. Yeah. Right, and I think that's what's going to happen with Ferrari. They're going to have like peaks and troughs. Yeah. Whereas I think Mercedes are just going to be consistently good. Yeah. Maybe not great. And what I think that Aston? consistency. I think Aston will have peaks and troughs as well. Okay. 
All right, well, uh, that that's if, if Mercedes fights for P2, I think that's a much better year than we can hope for. That coupled with them changing the design radically, which they seem like they want to do. They've dragged James Allison off of his boat, which, by the way, if you want to know what these boats look like, they're so cool. You know, if, have you seen the movie Tenet? The, um, Tenet, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there's a scene in there where they race these kinds of boats, and uh, it's pretty cool. So, um, you guys, look that up, the Tenet boat scene. Uh, but, yeah, um, and there was one other thing I was going to ask you about uh, before we, we finished out. Oh, yeah, so I said this on Twitter. Uh, the first time I was not being uh, – the first time I was being serious, the second time I was – not being serious, but the Aston Martin 23, is it illegal? How can you, okay, not, obviously we don't know if it's illegal. My question is, how can you make nine tenths of a gain from one season, just in year two of a season of a regulation uh, change? No one else was able to make that kind of change. They jumped from seventh or sixth or something crazy low up to potentially the second fastest car. Like somebody was saying, if Charles Leclerc hadn't DNF'd, Alonzo would have probably passed him on track anyway with the speed that he had. So how how can you make such a, have you ever seen such a radical midfield change? Um not not this surprising. Um I'm trying to think historically people jump up and down. Sometimes people do but well, this is the thing, sometimes teams will start the year very very well. Mm-hmm. You know, I can think of certain years when like certain like Alfa Romeo, Sauber yeah. You know, Sauber had some great years where they're getting podiums and things like that, but they don't, they lack the consistency through the whole year, or they get outdeveloped by the big teams towards the end mm-hmm. of the year. So that that's my thing about this. I think Aston Martin will have a very strong first half of the year. Mm-hmm. The question is, how can they sustain that into the second half? And how do you build a car this fast? The front half of it is a Red Bull. The back half of it is a Mercedes. <laughs> right, That's what Mercedes enough. need to do. They just need to copy the front half of the Red Bull and they're good to go. Yeah, I just like to me, like, I know, obviously, the whole thing about Formula One is build a fast car. But the other whole thing about Formula One, you know, the backside of that coin is if you build a fast car, what are you doing illegally? What can teams exploit to have ruled illegal? And it happens yeah. to Mercedes all the time. DOS, party modes, uh, any any major innovation that they came up with was banned the next year. So I, I feel like something is going to be found illegal in the Aston Martin and people were like, Oh, you're just a sore loser for saying that on Twitter. But if they keep up this kind of, you know, momentum, Alpine is not going to be happy. McLaren is going to be happy. Mercedes isn't going to be happy. They're going to find something. They're all gonna... that's... I remember when that year Renault were disqualified or who was Renault. a team was there... someone kept putting a protest in against another team. Oh yeah. Renault kept putting a protest in against racing point every race oh, or something. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. 2020. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So <laughs> the teams will all be all over each other, yeah. um, trying to work out what's going on. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. We have one final voicemail. Do we? Oh from yeah. Canada. I forgot about this. Aquafina. Yeah, Aquafina. <laughs> hey guys. Um, I thought it was a decent race overall. Obviously, P one and P two were never really in question but I thought the rest of like the top six and seven kind of kept it spicy so that was nice um I'm really interested and stressed out to see what happens between Mercedes and Aston Martin this season um personally I think I had my expectations really low as a Lewis fan but I was really happy with um how things went but um yeah it'll be kind of cool to see what happens um and I'm sure there'll be lots of spicy battles between Alonso and uh, Lewis um, it'll be interesting to see how Stroll matches up too, especially when he's not just, you know, racing with 
broken bones and pure vibes or whatever he was doing this weekend. Um, otherwise, I thought Ferrari was super comforting with how they kind of, you know, were back to their old clownery. Um, I thought Bottas had like a really nice race, uh, quietly. And I thought that Esteban Alcon was very relatable this weekend. I too regularly mess up, you know, routine aspects of my job. Um, also his radio afterwards was hilarious. Like he was like, I do this all the time and I never get penalized. Like, bruh, I don't think that's the argument you think it is, but that's hilarious. Anyways. Yeah. Um, good first race overall. I'm uh, excited to have a phone back. We got to talk about Lance Stroll before we, we are two people in the medical field. Yeah. We have to talk about Lance Stroll before we finish out the episode, but I, I am really, otherwise agree with what Aquafina had to say, um, in her yeah. <laughs> message that she said. Aquafina from Canada. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Lance Stroll put out on Instagram, Twitter, all of it. What happened with his cycling accident? He broke a toe. He broke part of his hands and his wrist. Yeah. His he wrist, had two screws yeah. put into his wrist. Um, he went to a specialist called Dr. Mir. Um, so both of us do like acute internal medicine. So as far as we can tell, um, Lance's heart and lungs and guts seem fine. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I messaged on Twitter uh, someone called at orthopodreg. He's a hand surgeon. And I said, what do you make of all of this? And then he was just like, give me the TLDR. (laughs) (laughs) Then I summarized it for him. (laughs) And I said, you know, the issues are, there were some people that were concerned with these sort of injuries. Should he have been allowed to drive? Because could he have reliably pulled himself out of the car if it was upside down and on fire? He passed the extraction test in the garage and on second attempt. But after an hour of racing when he was tired, how would it have been? And he says, "Mm, I guess that's what the tests are for. We operate routinely on people who then go on to play 18 minutes of contact sports very soon after. He's talking about boxing, rugby, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Um, And he goes, if you're fit and you're safe, you're fit and you're safe. So he seemed to be, this is a hand surgeon I messaged. So he seemed to be happy enough with the situation. And I guess adrenaline will help you overcome the pain. Yeah. I I think there's two things in in play. One is the FIA not caring when they cared about Lewis's jewelry. That's a holding on the side. The other thing is, like, I have had these patients before. Well, I mean, like, I've seen them where where they injure themselves doing something like, you know, MMA or something. And then they're like, okay, so when can I get back to the the mat? And I'm like, I, I would honestly take at least two weeks of rest before you get back into the sport and they're like no i can't do that yeah they're back, back the next day exactly so <laughs> from a physician point of view i'm frustrated because i'm like he's one of those patients he is he's like i've broken yeah. both my wrists i'm like take two weeks off he's like no i'm gonna be in the car <laughs> next thursday I'm like exactly. geez calm down so i as a physician i'm frustrated but i think you know the orthopod reg is accurate because i think if you see this all the time you just it becomes normal that these yeah. athletes are definitely not going to take two weeks off to recover. No. They're just going to like, you know, like in American football, it's quite incredible that they'll get injured. They'll tear a ligament or something, or they're, you know, a week later is that's all they take is their, is their, is the off week. And then when it's the next game, they're back in it. So I think yeah. this is just a pro athlete move is uh, you get injured and you don't care. Yeah, definitely. Um, what do we think of Ocon's million penalties? 
<laughs> yeah, this was not a very good debut for Alpine just in general. <laughs> My whole thing is that I thought the battle for P4 yeah. was going to be Alpine versus McLaren. And their entire goal was to try and close the gap to P3. Yeah. Both of them had terrible weekends. <laughs> Apart yeah. from Gasly, who somehow went from last to P9 Nine. with fastest yeah. lap. And then Alfa Romeo went, actually, we don't want you to have fastest lap. They had <laughs> Joe in 13th. They brought him in, put you softs on him sneaky sneaky sent him out to get fastest lap with low fuel he was like three seconds faster than everyone else or something and took fastest lap point away from alpine put himself in p16 but was like no i'm glad you're not getting that point um yeah so i think the midfield shenanigans are great i think it's going to be really really close if alpine and mclaren are messing up a bit if alpha and aston have upped their game yeah i think we the the formula 1.5 will be a great season you know, it was quite uh, interesting last year, too. It was very close at, at times. But, yeah, I mean, Alpine, horrible weekend. McLaren, horrible weekend. They really need to figure out what's going on there. Piastri was out. Norris. <laughs> what was what was, what was was happening <laughs> with Lando Norris? Norris? Uh... <laughs> I'm just remembering now. First of all, he, okay, he's coming in every 20 minutes to get a pneumatic air fill, which is hilarious. The second thing is, like, he's... Been lapped by Lewis and Sainz and, and Alonso, but he's sticking in the pack with them to feel yeah. like he's not in last place. I'm like, you don't need to I do think that. He you just wanted to keep a close eye so that he could like, all right, I'll look at the Red Bull. Is that where I want to drive next year? All right, I'll look at the Ferrari. Is that where I'm going to drive next year? Right, let's look at the Alfa Romeo. Are they going to be faster as Audi? Is that where I'm going to drive next year? Because it's not going to be this car. <laughs> it's just... And like it's like he's pretending like I know I'm P five and it's like no you're not you're P twenty go fill your car up with air he's like okay I'm gonna go fill my car up with air <laughs> great so yeah but you know who had a nice race pretty quietly was Logan Sargent in his debut mm. he, didn't oh, he did score really points. well yeah he, he did, did score really points well for, but P twelve or something overall uh, yeah. which I thought was very impressive same time as Lando Norris in Q two yeah uh, qualifying in a Williams. So very good, Logan. I, I hope we see. I hope he is like the Yuki Tsunoda Joguan New Caliber, which is like decent driver. You know, not like the like Nikita Mazepin, mm. uh, who else is really bad on the grid, but that caliber where they're mm. just not good at all. Um, and really, uh, Al- Albon, Alex Albon had a really good race. He finished yeah, in he's point great. Well, P10. Um, so good, good for him. Uh, and I think for the people at quiet races, that was that was it. Uh, everyone was saying Lance Stroll. Did a great job finishing P6 or whatever uh, with his broken wrists. Um, I think so. I think, yeah, I think so too. Uh, I also think it's the car. Uh, sorry, <laughs> yeah. Lance. It is the car. <laughs> um, yeah. Is there anything I, else? I think that- the fact that he finished was great. Yeah. That, yeah. let alone the position was irrelevant. You know, where? how are we going to rely on crazy crashes for no reason now that Nicholas Latifi is gone? Who's going to be doing them for us? I don't know. Lance? I, was, I, was, I was waiting to find out who's going to be the spinner this year, but um, we'll just have to wait Lance. and see how that plays out. But speaking yeah. of predictions, should we have a look at our Fantasy F1 League? Oh, yeah. How did so you the, finish, Arfat? Well, I didn't do too great. You did better. But the, um, <laughs> the winner was KJ number one. And in their team, they had Verstappen, Russell, De Vries, Alonso, Piastri. And their two constructors were Red Bull and Aston Martin. And they put a triple bonus on Verstappen and a double bonus on Alonso. I did not realize there was a triple bonus because I only put a double bonus on Verstappen. 
Yeah. You finished in eighth with Alonso Perez Verstappen, which I think everyone has done. Uh, and then De Vries, who I also had. And you had Albon. I think I had someone else. I had... Uh, not Hulkenberg. The other one, Magnussen. And you picked Aston Martin and Ferrari. Hmm. So we pick our team for is, the next race. Can people join the league still? We actually like we just yeah, put it 100%. out very last second. We yeah, we'll we'll, we'll we'll put the link out on Twitter and please join the league. Um, because yeah, we put it out pretty last second. So because everyone's price has changed this week, so you know yeah. Fernando Alonso is now zero point two million pounds more expensive. I think we need to keep Verstappen and Alonso. Yeah. Right. Yeah, Who will our other drivers be? Uh, who do you want to drop? It, we're dropping. Who's the other one you had? So I, I've kept Lewis the... at the minute, and I've dropped. Um... Why have you kept Lewis for? <laughs> Let's drop K Mag. Haas is nowhere. Yeah, Haas I've, is I've absolutely... dropped K Mag. I dropped K Mag, and I so dropped. Who does that give us this option? Because I can't see the screen. I can't manage. So we have twelve million left. Okay. I can drop the constructors as well. I've got Valtteri? Ferrari and Aston. You want to do Valtteri? So Valtteri is seven point eight million. If I put him in, worth it. Lance that Stroll leaves might us be worth with it. four million. For which we can get Logan Sargent. Okay, yeah, let's do it. So we got Verstappen, Alonso, Hamilton, Bottas, Logan Sargent. We got this triple double bonus on Verstappen at the minute. How do I add the triple bonus? The tri- three time DRS apply chips. Oh, it's that's like where it is. yeah, it's like all these new things. Oh, there's all these chips. Wild and there's one that's fix, like allows DRS. you to change it. Yeah, you, final fixes you can change it before the race. Um, and then there's one other one that's like you can ignore any negative points that week. So had that person in last place used that, they would have avoided being in last place. <laughs> right. So I've put my triple bonus on Max Verstappen. Okay. Who do I want to put my double bonus on? Alonso? Bottas? Sergeant <laughs> Ser- Hamilton? Sergio Perez. Um, no, put on Alonso. Put Street on track. Alonso. Not Confirm. a lot of room for error. Sounds Confirm like an Alonso track. Fine. So th- those are the changes we've made. Let's see how we do against other people. If you want to join in with us, make sure you follow us at Slow Pit Stop on Twitter and you'll see our Fantasy F1 League. Thank you everyone for joining us this week uh, and we shall see you after the Saudi Grand Prix. Bye everybody. Bye. Bye. This has been a production for Not That Good Media.